at SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM. 12 minutes past nine and we are going into our guest presenter, Dr. Nokatulu Mazibuko Msamang. She's been on the show to talk about her books. She has uh, entertained us in a variety of ways. She's a writer, she's an academic, she's a producer and broadcaster. She holds degrees from the University of Cape Town, UCT, the University of the Western Cape, UWC, and she has a PhD in African Literature from the University of Witwatersrand or Wits. She is most recently um, an artist in residence at the University of Pretoria as part of their, uh, their Africa Futures Academy, and so it'll be interesting to see exactly where we go with that. Dr. Nokatula Mazibuko Msamang, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Michelle Constant, thank you so much for having me. I am absolutely delighted. And thank you for playing my Felakuti um, Lady song. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. <laughs> First of all, I would have loved you to have been in the studio, but I think with uh, the race that is currently taking place around Joburg, you might have spent hours and hours in the traffic in an attempt to get here. So better on the yeah. line than not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Mazibuko, tell us a little bit about that particular choice song as your a start off for the hour. Well, I mean, what do I say about Felakuti? Such a vibe, <laughs> right? <laughs> Such a vibe. You know, those fabulous, you know, 10-minute uh, Felakuti songs. Um, so I, I just love that, you know, you get a... a a taste of Lagos, a taste of Nigeria. And, you know, it's like that wonderful uh, Afrobeat, you know, oh. vibe that gets you moving, you know, gets you in the groove of things, you know. So I, I love, love, love uh, uh, Fela Kuti. And, of course, that particular song, you know, is a celebration of African women. You know, if you go call a woman, African woman, she no Greece, she go say, I be lady, you know. So <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite songs. Doctor, uh, please could I call you Nokotula, if I may, if that's all right. Please, please, Michelle, please do. So I'd like to take you back. I mean, I look at your CV, and it's a heavyweight CV. I mean, it, it, it takes you into so many different spaces, and it reminds me a bit of what that guy David Epstein wrote in the book Range, which is mm. really around people who are interested in so much more than one thing and how they expand their knowledge outwardly in order yeah. to perhaps really understand the core of who they are. Talk to us about that in relation to you. You're, you're a filmmaker, you've written film scripts, you've worked for the, the SABC, yeah. you've worked for the BBC, and yet you're also an author, a, a much published author for, for young people as well as adults as well. Talk to us about that. You know, I have to borrow a phrase from one of my mentors and one of my favorite writers on whom I did my PhD, actually, Professor Zanem Bulakizitongda, Zeksimda, mm. popularly known as Zeksimda. <laughs> so Zeksimda, because, you know, he paints, he, he teaches, he writes novels and plays and whatever. So he calls himself a professional dabbler. <laughs> so I thought, That's Oh, if Professor Mda can call himself a professional dabbler, you know, and make it sound so cool, yeah. well, so am I. <laughs> so am I. So I am a professional dabbler. But of course, the golden thread is our stories, you know, mm. our stories, our memories. And I found that throughout, I mean, I've been involved in the literary space, oh, you know, since my first graduation way back in 1992. So it's been 30 years, you know. 
So um, I edited, you know, journals for young people, English Alive with my good friend, Robin Malan, you know, before go, venturing into uh, publishing uh, books for young people. And I've published seven books for young people now in my first historical novel. But the golden thread has been really a fascination with our history, you know, yeah. and with life stories. And of course, you rightly said that I am currently based at the University of Pretoria's Future Africa Institute and the Humanities Department as well. They share me. So I'm looking at historical narratives and I'm currently working on the biography of Mamdoli Ratebe, you know. Yes. So history, heritage, memory, on whatever platform I've been, whether it's at the SADC as head of children's content, you know, whether it's as a filmmaker or working, you know, for the uh, uh, BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, uh, you know, whether I'm teaching, whether I'm writing for young and old, I've found that story and memory because I, you know, it's important for us to celebrate each other through yeah. our stories and our memories. And, um, you know, of course, w- when you know somebody's uh, story and their words, you read their book, you know their soul, you know. And I honestly, and I mean, a lot of writers, I'm sure, have said this to you, Michelle, that, you know, uh, books make us better people. And I honestly and truly believe it. You know, what's, what's absolutely fascinating about this is when I started to read that you had um, now taken this, this artist's residency at the Africa, uh, Future Africa Academy, I was kind of intrigued by that because I yeah. started to, you know, I always think of that Future Africa Academy. It's one of those extraordinary platforms at the University of Pretoria, which focuses on so many different sectoral engagements. I mean, there's engineering, there's, yeah. it's, it's such a mix of of sectors and yet i love that i think that that's part of the game and i wondered if you are at the future africa institute what do you see your role as being there and what do you hope to get out of that as well well look um uh, the university of Pretoria is very uh, big on uh, transdisciplinary work you know so they really want you know the, the scientists and the artists uh, to work together. And of exactly. course, at the moment, I'm a little bit of a fish out of water because I'm the <laughs> only artist, <laughs> trust me, to be the only artist amongst, you know, the scientists. But I think it's it's um, evolving, you know, uh, because in the past year, there have been quite a lot of, uh, uh, um, you know, conferences and that type of thing, which have put together scientists and artists. Mm. You know, there have been a lot of book launches, um, you know, that appeal to both uh, scientists and, and, and you know, and, and artists. So I think that, you know, they really, I mean, they are one of the top 200 varsities in the world. Absolutely. And I think it's because they do that kind of, you know, groundbreaking uh, 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 work. And I must say, I mean, VC uh, Professor Dawana Cooper is very intentional, you know, yeah. <laughs> about, about bringing in, you know, all of these uh, 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 voices. Yeah. They look, UP, we are proudly African, proudly global, you know, so let's push, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be part of that world. It does talk to this. I mean, there's a huge conversation, which we, we understand, which talks yeah. to the idea of it's called um, we, how we move from STEM to STEAM, science, technology, yes. engineering, arts and maths. Then we yeah. moved to STEAMy, which was science, technology, engineering, arts, maths, and innovation. Mm. There's also um, the acronym C, which is science, the economy, and the arts. So there's so many different ways. What have you learned from your colleagues in that space who are obviously approaching the world very differently to the way someone who works in the humanities does? Look, you know what I've actually discovered um, is that, you know, Disciplines like your engineering, 
um, are also a, a kind of art as well, you know. So you, 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 you get to understand, I mean, through uh, um, looking at the work of, for example, Professor uh, Bukosi Marivate, who does a lot of work in artificial intelligence right, yeah. um, and doing a lot of, uh, um, you know, AI work in terms of, uh, um, and, you know, what really appeals to me is uh, different languages, you know, how machines can assist with translations, you know, on the spot. You know, yeah. so obviously, as an artist, I'm interested in that world to say, oh, okay, so I can have an an audio book in English, and then somebody can choose to have it translated on the spot, or in Sesotho, or in Swahili or French, or whatever the case may be. You know, so there are areas where art and science talk naturally to each other, and of course, you know, my husband is an engineer, and he often says that, look. Even the person who designed the BMW needs to be an artist. You know, Chris Bangle, BMW, Chris Bangle, the designer of BMW. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's gorgeous. It was our cars and they are cars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so some, <laughs> so some, some people are good with the engineering, but maybe not so much artistic flair. But then you get that person who merges you know, the scientific yeah. and the artistic flair. Just so, and you, you know, you great, you get a great product. So, as an artist, I, look, I've always been interested in the sciences, you know, because um, I'm, you know, a lot of my friends are scientists, a lot of my friends are mathematicians. In fact, in my own own household, I'm the only artist. I'm surrounded by scientists and mathematicians. <laughs> my father was a science teacher and a mathematician, you know. So, I've always had a, a, an interest in, in, in sciences. Uh, and to see how the two can work together. But of course, now, as I said, that with the University of Pretoria, it's very intentional, you know. Um, And Future Africa is beautiful. I mean, I don't know, have you been to the campus? I've been to the campus, yeah. Yes, yes. And all of that, you know, the organic uh, plants, you know, all the plants there you can eat, you know, you can make a salad. As you drive into the campus, all of the, the, the uh, research and innovation happening around biotechnologies. There are some cows yeah. there and so on. So it's a very, very intriguing in- institute, you know. And as I said, for me, I'm kind of wandering around wide eyes. <laughs> as, as a fish out of water and impressed by everything. Yeah. And I'm just going, wow, you know, wow, oh, wow. <laughs> now, Katila, I want to move you slightly um, in the conversation to the work you did at the South African Broadcasting Corporation. I mean, you worked. Yeah there as head of children's content mm-hmm. um, Takalani Sesame came out of it at that time as well um, yeah. you, you know there was a lot of stuff that came out and a really kind of profound look at what education for very young children ECD in particular could be like what was that experience for you the highs and possibly even the lows if we look yeah. at education oh my word Michelle First of all, today is you know the UN World Children's Day, so happy World Children's Day to the children of the world. Um, you know that is the work of my heart. You know, so I spent um, ten years full time at the SADC, but before then I was kind of freelancing. You know, incidentally, I was kind of one of the creators of Takalani yeah. as an artist. You know, and then of course I came onto the SADC and then I was the custodian managing children's content. You know. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. You know, the SADC, uh, for all the media, whatever, the SADC is a great place. I mean, I've said this to you and Josh before. I love the SADC still, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, of course, the budgets were, you know, not great. But I think the people, you know, it's kind of like run from the bottom. <laughs> they are yeah. sort of, you know, they grab hold of the wheels and kind of make the car move. So we did incredible uh, work. 
um, won a lot of, you know, uh, awards, you know, the, the, the SAFTA Awards, the television awards. Um, so both, you know, um, live action uh, uh, documentary type uh, uh, programming that we did, which was uh, my passion. And of course, the classics, you know, your TV, the live platforms. I mean, yeah. the SABC was the first to kind of do that type of thing, you know, with Mamtlar and Zima, you know, with SABC One, trailblazing, you know. Um, your hectic nine nines, you know. Um, so the SABC, I absolutely, absolutely loved it, Michelle. Yes, look, you know, there were uh, um, uh, challenges because I think broadcasting is changing, yeah. you know, uh, 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 the storms. And also corporate uh, life is not easy, you know. Um, so they will be, it will get a bit uh, heavy trying to balance that work-life balance, you know. But it's a fabulous space. I mean, it's one of the biggest broadcasters in Africa. Come on, you know. <laughs> so it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous club. I love the SADC. My SADC peeps, if you're listening, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that kiss is coming our way as well. Uh, yes, no, of, Katula, course, of course. When we look at that work, and then, of course, yeah. the amazing books that you wrote, you published all those books for young readers, um, yes. we, we spoke about the um, tea party a little. Uh, I mentioned that. But there's also yeah. that wonderful Kawe Mukhadi Kasta Semenya. Oh, yes. I, I yeah. really love that you took a, a, a hand at that because for young women, for women who are finding life difficult, it's, it's a way of like showing them a journey. Yeah. Oh, Michelle, and thank you so much. Like you've read all of the, the, those those books, and thank you for the feedback that you've given me. But you know that particular book, Kawe Mukhari Kasasinenya, and even Soweto Tea Party, oh, which no, were both um, shortlisted for the Pandoring Awards. I'm so happy to say, you know. <laughs> um, but Kawe, for me, you know, it was important for my own children, you know, that I gave birth to, but also the world's children to know that at a moment in time. There was a woman who just surprised everybody. Yeah. Came from the tip of Africa in a village in Limpopo and, you know, ran the races and got gold, you know. Mm. So each time I, I, I think of Kastasimini, and of course now, you know, I, I've met her and she's become a good friend, you know. And I can see why. I think I was telling you and Josh that I, whenever I'm with her, I don't even want to touch her because, you know, she's a national treasure. You know, what yeah. if I kind of, oh, you know, she breaks an, an elbow or something. But it was important for me to just, you know, record that moment, celebrate that moment, and hopefully children for generations to come will remember that name, Kafka Semenya, you know? Um, and when I was with the SABC, we would often cross live to some of her races. Michelle, I promise you, we would all be gathered around that big screen, you know, yeah. just cheering. And, you know, and of course it was live. It was a live crossing, you know? Um, and just sharing with the nation's children, just zooming past everybody and coming first. Uh, and now I've had an opportunity to write a picture book on Casta Semenya, which is such an honor. Jeez, I just think, I mean, it's, it, it goes back to what you said much earlier on the show about how we talk about telling stories and how yeah. we can shift and change narratives. And that potentially the idea to shift uh, a narrative, and I'm thinking of Casta's challenges internationally, but how that yeah, could be shifted yeah. through young people. Yeah, so one could almost yeah. return it back to where it should start and then change things from there. I think that's a beautiful way to put it, you know. Um, and really, it, it is about the making of a champion. 
And I wanted to just zone in on that, you know, because as you rightly point out, Michelle, there was a lot of noise yeah. around Casca winning and whatnot, whatnot. But I thought, look, you know, let the noise do whatever. Yeah. But here is a, a, a gold medalist, you know. Um, and this gold medalist was once eight years old, you know. So are you born a champion? You know, what must you do to take that talent to the next level? You know, what, what, what did Kasta eat? You know, <laughs> she was telling me, who I loved, Bohore. You know, she loved Bob. Uh, and I, even now, I just take 10 minutes to cook myself Bohore. You uh, know, I drink lots of water. And of course, that's in the book. You know, it's in the book. Yeah. I drink lots of water. And I love sweets. Ah, sweets are my weakness. You know, and she said, ah, my coaches and my parents were always, you know, on my case about the sweets. And of course, she's like, you know, munching a sweet as we are doing that. And interview. of course, every single <laughs> child that's like reading that and seeing and that like, is going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, so I wanted to capture the, those unique uh, little traits, you know, uh, about the making of a champion. You know, And of course, I mean, she woke up at the crack of dawn because yeah. she still had to do the, the dishes. Absolutely. She still had to make sure that the house is tidy and do her, her schoolwork. You know, whilst on this journey to becoming a champion, you know, so yeah. So we're going to get on to the your your puku with your um, guest presenter uh, Lorato Trock, who's the managing editor of Puku's Children Literature Foundation. I'm absolutely delighted that you are doing work with them. I think it is one of those absolutely extraordinary uh, organisations that shifts and changes uh, life for young people as well. So my big question to you is, and you mentioned the Pendurings a little earlier, it's a question yeah. around language and how we use language, whether we um, can use it to shift and change narratives, whether we can use it to get, I mean, I'm thinking of this in relation to the Charlize Theron uh, comment that was made earlier this week, which mm -hmm. is, is quite ridiculous. Um, and when I read it, I was just like, come on. I mean, we can just look at the Pendurings and how language is used in this country in really profound yeah. ways. Talk to us briefly about that. Look, I mean, our uh, languages are our superpowers. Yeah. In fact, the young person who won the, the, the uh, Pendurum, who last year I was beaten by Rithiyam Watrodi, and this year um, the person who won it oh, is incredible. Um, Michelle, please remember this name, and I hope you will interview her on, on your show. Amonge Sinkoto. Amonge Sinkoto. So yeah. her book is titled My Big Name, right? Yeah. And it's about the names, you know, in different languages with different meanings and how they are a superpower, you know? So Noctula means the mother of peace, you yeah. know? And of course, when you are given that name, you are meant to live up to that name and to spread whatever superpower, you know? So I love my that. superpower yeah. is, is yeah. peace building, you know? So whenever I find people fighting, I'm like, oh! Drop your weapons. <laughs> let's, let's have peace. So even at the SAPC, you know, um, I think there are people who will tell you I did throw a few punches. But in, in the main, I was a peacemaker, yeah. <laughs> I hope. You know? so, it... so our language is our superpower. You know, it yeah. captures our cultures captures our beauty, captures our diversity, you know. I, so I love this idea of la of your name. So Michelle um apparently comes from the word rock, which I oh, find wow. which I can't find quite uh, quite extraordinary. Michelle and Michael is comes from rock. And then recently I, I managed uh, I got myself a cat from the SPCA 
and the SPCA called him Sylvester. And I was like, Sylvester? And I kept thinking of our lovely Sylvester that we all know. But actually, the word Sylvester, uh, the original wild cats in in Latin were called Felis Sylvestris. Felis, obviously, for feline, and Sylvestris for forest and, and, and woodland. And then I was oh, just fantastic. like, Sylvester, you're a leader of the forest and the woodland. <laughs> well, there you go. Sylvester is the superhero, you know? Exactly. Names super are amazing. Power, superhero. Superpower, superhero. You know? <laughs> so our language, um, and that's why the work that Kuku does is so vital and the work yeah. that the Pandorans uh, do, you know, is, is really, really critical. Yeah. That we shouldn't uh, lose our, 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 our language, you know, yeah. and technology can assist us now with apps and whatnot. Absolutely. Know? A lot of our children speak, uh, you know, Fanagalo, but I think we shouldn't, we, we mustn't give up. We dare not give up because it, it will just flatten us out um, so much. But also as a Pandoran kind of center to say, look, uh, let's monetize diversity and languages. Yeah. You know, there is money to be made, you know, in translations. And also, um, I remember that the um, uh, MD of the Pendoring, um, uh, Ian Kern, was yeah. saying to me that, look, even things like, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as goods move across borders, you know, yeah. um, when you can talk uh, uh, different languages, it makes it easier for trade. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So rather than, you know, everybody speaking English or trying to speak English and they don't understand each other, but if you can... Uh, uh, you know, and you are moving goods across uh, um, the, the, the KZN coast. Yeah, you know? exactly. Trade is moving because yeah. we're understanding each other quickly, you know. Yeah. So we need to think of uh, that also in money terms. Um, tourism, I mean, who wants to come to a, a country that sounds and looks like yours? You might as well just stay in your own country, you know. But if you are coming to the northwest, you, you hear Botswana, you go to Cape, you go to the Cape, Uva, Iskosa, Esimandi, you know? Yeah. So let's think about the, 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 that economy, you know, uh, uh, the cultural and the creative economy around our languages and just stop being relaxed about the loss <laughs> of languages, you know? So I'm, I'm, we're going to go to your second choice of song in a moment. I first need to cross to the um, road race. We've got someone who's on the road right now, the Joburg road race. We hope uh, he's uh, able to drive and talk at the same time. Jean-Louis Azar, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, uh, Michelle. Yeah, I just stopped on the side of the road. You stopped? Yeah, but I'm going to, now that I have you, I'm going to start again. Oh, so, so how's it going? How far are you? How long have you been riding? Uh, about two hours. I'm at the top of Kalami racetrack. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful weather. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then from uh, from there, you're going to go to from Kalami racetrack. You go to the FNB Stadium. Yeah. So then we we take uh, we go west towards uh, Carslo, uh, Douglas Dale, all of that. And then it's a long, long climb all the way up to a high park corner, a bit of a downhill, and then back again to West Cliff. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so, <laughs> there is the wind, no? <laughs> I can hear the wind. So, which, of course, I'm imagining makes it also quite difficult. I mean, I'm sure when you're cycling with the wind, it's not the easiest. Yeah, no, I just stopped. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I was just downhill. Yeah, all right, Michelle, are you? Good. good to hear from you. We, good to hear from you. I hope that the trip goes well. I hope that you stay on time. I appreciate you stopping for a couple of minutes to... Uh, yeah, we, uh, 
more than halfway. So, you know, from now on, it's going to be Speed. relatively easy. Are you, are you part of the peloton right now? No, I caught, I caught a few uh, on the way in. Yeah. You know, MTN, the Panuzi stock. I don't know if I can mention the name, but uh, yeah, they're a good bunch. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but no, I've lost, I've lost them. It's fine. I'll catch. I'll catch you up catch with them, them up again, Jean Louis Azar. Thank Louis. you so much for joining us. He's on the line. Pleasure. Thank R- you. Riding Joburg, and uh, he's done it many a year, and it's always delightful to hear uh, when people are taking part in a tourism event, a sporting tourism event. We were talking about the World Cup earlier. We're talking about this one as well. We're going to crack into our guest, Nokatula Mazibuku Msimang's second choice of song. And when we come back, she'll tell us why. The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. Gorgeous. <laughs> Dr. Nokotula Mazibuku Msimang. Her second choice of song, Miriam Makeba, and that's such a great version of Malaika. Your choice? Absolutely love it. Dedicating it to the world, children on World Children's Day. And it is a song that was played to me as a child. And it is a song that I have played over and over to my own children, you know. Uh, Malaika, I love you, Malaika. I love you, my angel, you know. So it is a gorgeous song. And of course, Miriam Makeba, right? Need I explain more? Yeah, I must say, every time I hear that song, I'm always so profoundly aware of like how young she was when she sang that song yeah. and just like she, yeah. how she rocked it, you know, in so many different yeah. ways. It's incredible, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think she's always been, you know, that kind of old, old ancient soul. So from her youth yeah. uh, right up until, you know, you really felt the, the weight of her gift, the weight of her love, the weight yeah. of her artistry. I mean, Mazi was amazing. Absolutely. Nokatuli, yeah. your guest on the line is Lorato Throck. She's the managing editor of Puku Children's Literature Foundation. Tell us about yes. the work that you're doing with Puku and uh, why you decided to get Lorato on the line. Oh, Lorato is my good, good friend that I met in 1992 at the Center for the Book. And I am now part of the Puku Children's uh, Literature Foundation Network. So, you know, I do workshops with them, uh, review books for them, and so on. So, Lorato, you know, hey, Lorato, myself, of, you know, sis Eleanor Sisulu, and of course, everybody knows Mamkwe Namsope, who's also mm. another one of my mentors, Mamsindi Wemakona, you know. Yeah. So, Kolisa Kuzula, you know, we've been doing this work for years, you know, uh, children's books and in different languages and don't do it. And, you know, suddenly we are delighted that, you know, uh, that space has become so rich, you know. But Lorato is one of the people who's been working tirelessly, you know, over the decades uh, in the children's book space. You know, from her work at um, a a library in Kuruman, where she's from, you know, where she was actually taking English books, but there were no children's books in Setswana. Lorato was translating them, you know, and making copies, giving to teachers and so on, yeah. <laughs> you know. So she's been a foot soldier of this work for many, many years, you know. Um, she's recently come back from Sharjah at the at Children's Book Festival there. So she is an incredible, incredible resource uh, uh, to our country. So I love the work that Lorato Trock does. Lorato, I'm, I'm assuming you might be blushing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lorato, as um, Nokatula said so so rightfully, 
You've been in this literary space for a very long time. I mean, three or four decades. Do you see a shift and change? And I'm thinking specifically around ECD um, education, around mm. reading, around books, around books in home languages. Do you see that shift like taking place? Thank you, Michelle, for having me. And I thank you, Noctula, for having me as well. I actually am. You know, when I started uh, 24 years ago in, in this work of early literacy, it was such a difficult time. We were just transitioning South Africa from apartheid to, to uh, 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 this country of multilingualism and yeah. multi-ethnicity and all that stuff. And it was so rare to actually even find children's books written in our African languages. And like Noctula said, when I was working in that small Moffat library in the Northern Cape in Kuruman, there was absolutely nothing. And I had to take those books and translate them into Sitwana after getting funding, uh, you know, for those teachers who were just starting their preschools and they had nothing. And they couldn't even read English themselves. And I was thinking, how can that be possible? Yeah. They wanted to teach their children in Sichuana the language that they understood and that the children understood and had it every day at home, but there was nothing. So because there wasn't any material, I just thought, let me devise a plan, let me rather translate them and get them readily available for them and so on. And from that, then my shift was like, okay, this is actually doable, we can do this. English doesn't have to dominate everything. Yeah. And I'm seeing this shift now, especially I'm excited about the younger people who are getting into this. And also men who are now, you know, we've got this good friend, Madodan Tlakuse, who's in the Eastern Cape, who's yeah. doing exceptional work in Isitosa for oh, children's yes. literature and all that stuff. So I'm just glad that so many people are taking on writing for children in African languages. The storytelling, Klingamshop has been doing this for ever for decades and so on. Yep. So I'm loving this Noctula, Tolisa, and, and Elino Sisulu. So I've seen a lot of shifts and interest. That's, yeah. that's the other thing. Because we can produce all this material, but there will be no interest. But we produce because there's interest now from parents, from teachers, from just general consumers who just want children's books in their home languages, even if they are not doing their home languages or studying their home languages at school, but at least they want them to have access to those material. And that's exciting. Just, um, and and Nokotula, I'll put this to you, is that when Mm. we talk about um, the individuals, I mean, there's a whole list of individuals that Lorato has named who who are working in this space. Are we seeing this shift as well in terms of policy? Look, um... Sure. Uh, the policy space is um, shifting at a bit of a, I think, snail's pace, you know. Um, for me, I mean, one of the, 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 the questions that I have, for example, is that, you know, uh, schools, I think it's mandatory to have two languages, you know. Um, and a lot of schools just default to English and Afrikaans, you know. Mm. I think it would have been much more bold and useful to say three languages. Yeah. You know, uh, so then you have English, Africans, Sesotho, or Sesotho, or Sesotho. Yeah, but so you really do have to be very intentional uh, about, um, you know, as Lorato has said, about our 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 languages. So I think that would help us a lot if we center African languages in schools. They're private schools, you know, because the parents have a lot of push and so on, uh, do offer, you know, that range. Um, but I think in, in the public schools, you know, if policy uh, were to really give us that push and center African languages and say, look, 
three languages, you know, yeah. then it will be it will be useful. You know, then we'll have Isuzulu, we'll have Isikosa, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. Um, but as I said, look, my attitude, Michelle, is over the years. You know, I am an ordinary person. Um, you know, I'm a person in a family. So I always say to parents, especially in this space that Bolorato and I are in, that listen, you know, you, you have autonomy in your home, you know. So have yeah, books yeah. In, in local languages. So start there, because now if I'm going to be dreaming of the government or dreaming of this person and that person, the sun is going to set, you know. So yes. just get the books and read to the kids. Play the music, you know, play music as Swana, play music in Sizulu and so on. So just just get going. That's my attitude. So just get going. And hopefully the ground swell and the push will then influence policy, we hope. I'm going to ask you, um, I'll put it to both of you, and maybe you'll come with a different question, a different answer. Yeah. And this mm. is this is a really a lighthearted question. But you know how when you read to a very young child, mm. you read through the book and you get to the end, and then they want you to start again. Yeah. And then you read through the book and you get to the end, and then they want you to. You can happily read exactly <laughs> the same book at least four or five times. Yeah, what's, Michelle, that, Michelle. what's that about? I mean, obviously no, it's part no, of no, learning. No, 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 no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. That is so yeah. okay. I mean, my daughter is now 12. Yeah. And I remember that she just used, she, because I tell her stories in Sichuan. You know, I, when I was growing up in, in Northern Cape in Kuruman, I did not, at that time, there were no books, there were no stories. My mother was not educated. We didn't even have a local library. But yeah. you know what? What I got from my mother's storytelling is why I'm here today. Because for me, that was just so beautiful. I had this woman who was just telling stories every day in Sichuan. I had my aunt who would just demonstrate and do all this kind of stuff. And that stayed with me. And I figured that my daughter also loved that. You know, I would tell her one story and she would want it again tomorrow. And I got tired and she said, I want a story that you told me that other day about. <laughs> the same one. The same one. And she loved stories. Even to this day at 12, she still wants me to tell her stories. Can you believe that? I love that. I think that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> and that's okay for children to what they do that most of them do that they'll just speak to one book and say i want this book that's okay for parents it's okay they're not doing anything wrong Lorato, so, you know I, I have a confession to make <laughs> i am one of those parents i think i create content for children you know to keep them engaged so i can go and do other things right so i'm one of those mothers i'm not one of those mothers you know who I want my life to revolve around children. So I create content for them, and then they must engage with that content. But of course, when they are very young, they want you to sing them songs, and as you write it, they want, you know, repetition. They learn through repetition. So you must do the same thing a million times. So I came up with a format called the one-minute story. Oh, brilliant. So the one-minute story is, you know, really very user-friendly for an exhausted mother <laughs> and the one minute story can also be told by siblings <laughs> so when the mother or father is yeah. too exhausted to even tell the one minute story the sibling can tell it to the other siblings first that mm. is my strategy okay i I, <laughs> I feel strongly that we need to test this out because <laughs> and your minute starts now once upon a time there was a wonderful princess called Michelle. Michelle wanted to be a world-renowned broadcaster. And she said, oh, I want to be on radio. How can I be on radio? Oh, my goodness. And then a wonderful fairy said, Michelle, 
count to three, you will find yourself in a wonderful radio station broadcasting to the whole entire world. See, I can even do it in 30 seconds. You just did it in 30 <laughs> seconds. Yes. <laughs> but it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it sent us Michelle. Michelle is happy because I've told her a story about herself. Yeah. And uh, Dosh can tell the same story because it's very it's easy to remember. I swear, I think, um, as Indosh is saying, we need to publish the kids' books right now. Right it just now. is so absolutely brilliant. It's like... Of Michelle the Radio Queen. Oh, dear. <laughs> Lorato, and uh, I'll, I'll speak again to both of you on this one, and I suppose this is, you, you are going to move forward. Puku Children's Literature Foundation grows in, from strength to strength. It's won a variety of awards recently. Um, where to from here? Lorato, I'll start with you. Yeah, you know, with book, there's so much work that we are doing that no other organization is doing. The only challenge that we have is the lack of funding. And, uh, you know, with COVID, that has exacerbated mm. because so many organizations have run out of money and they don't have money. But, you know, we want our the, the content that, children, that parents and everyone else cannot get anywhere. They can find it at Puku. And most of the work that we are doing, we are actually doing it voluntarily. We're not getting paid to do all that. But it's a passion that we have for children's literature, for early literacy, for African languages, that we put ourselves out there and saying, we are wanting to do this regardless of what we are going through Mm -hmm. by nation. And we'll keep on doing it. Puku is not going to stop doing what it's supposed to be doing for South African children, for teachers, for parents, for everyone who loves literature and African languages. You know, there's a short-term approach to the world and there's a long-term approach to the world. I mean, when we look, think of strategy as well. Um, yeah. Short-term are the kind of immediate goals that you've got to just get through. And then long-term is like the vision that you would have uh, for that organization. Maybe it's purpose-linked to it as well. Uh, yes. Nokatula, what do you think the short-term stuff is that you guys need to be focusing on now? And uh, I'll, I'll take it further. What's going to, the long-term going to be if we think of children in this country? Look, I'm going to give one answer to both. And, you know, um, why I've survived um, for, you know, 30 years in the literary space, and seven days ago I got the Chairperson South African Literary Award, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is because day after day, Michelle, I just keep going, you know? And I find it useful that I, I, I break it down to kind of small achievements, you know? Yeah. So that for me is useful to just say, Every day, you know, uh, in fact, another friend of mine, Professor Antetisem Mutsembe, has uh, um, made it into a phrase. I always say, accepteance, let's work, you know. Uh, she says, oh, it's, it's a strategy, accepteance, you know. So yeah. every day, you know, in the evening, I'm exhausted. You know, I take a break, I go to sleep. In the morning, I'm at it again, you know. Yeah. And you know, I can come down a billion times, I will come up a billion times, you know. So I find it useful to just day after day, just keep at it. Keep at it, you know. And one day you wake up 30 years later and you've got all of these wonderful children's books. You've got all of these young people energizing the space, writing in local languages. It's like, oh my word, what happened? You know, <laughs> 30 years have just flown past, you know. So I find it useful for myself to say, you know what, I am committed um, to the world of, of letters. I'm committed to the, wor- the world of words because it's the basis for everything. Yes, it's entertainment. It's gorgeous. It's lovely, you know, but it's the basis for learning, you know. And our, for our kids, you know, education is that key. And you need your ABCs. You need your words. You need uh, literacy. You need numeracy, you know. So for me, one day at a time, Michelle. 
So one day at a time, we are moving our way towards uh, not just the end of the show, but like certainly Christmas as well. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are thinking of just chilling out, maybe trying to stay at home for as much time. But also, and I know that this is always my case, is I just get so excited at the idea that I'm going to be able to just lie on the bed and read a book or lie on the chair or whatever and just read and read and read and read. What are you both going to read this December when you uh, finally switch that computer off? Oh, I have such a backlog of um, (laughs) a lot of, I mean, one of my friends, um, Sue, has just released um, what I hear is an excellent book, An Angel's Demise. Yes. Um, You know, so there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, historical books that I need um, uh, uh, to get through. And I have to confess as well that there is a Jackie Collins um, novel. Jackie Collins? (laughs) Yes. That I will be reading as well, but you know it, it is as well trying to just put my feet up and just. You know, but you could rather just all. read a John Irving or something like that. There's a new John Irving out, which is also like <laughs> sort of just populist, but also fabulous. <laughs> all of that, Michelle. All of that. I, will be, I, I really will be will be get, getting hold of it and reading. Brilliant. What yeah. about you, Lorato? What are you uh, going to read this, this So December? I can't wait to switch off because I've got two new books that are coming next year and I can't wait to just switch off and take a book after all the work that I've put in, in my writing. And I actually have Dr. Noctula Mazibuko's book that she gifted me, The Children of Nangbi, that I will be reading this December. I can't oh, wait. Yay. <laughs> I can't wait to read It sounds absolutely <laughs> perfect. Now, Katula, mm-hmm. if there are young people listening to this or maybe older people who are listening but would like to just remind their own children and their grandchildren and the like, why is this all so important? Why is this conversation about reading important? Look, as uh, Dr. Kulamsope says, you know, reading is the gift that keeps giving, you know. So December's coming up. You want to relax. You know, it's entertaining. It's fun. There's a whole lot of books out there. Go out and get the Soweto Tipati. Go out and get uh, Lorato Chok's Musidi. Go yeah. out and get Among Us in Koto's My Big Name and Lebukhang Masango's Mpumi series. All of Rifilo Masudi's fabulous books. You are loved, you know, and on and on and on. So it's entertainment. You know, you get to travel the world when you read a book, you know. So uh, go out, get some raw gal books, all the classics. Oh, love them. Um, yes. Oh, James oh, and I the think, Giant Peach. Please. Oh, I love that. James and the Giant Peach. It's so hilarious. It's so funny. It's fabulous, you know. So books are so relaxing, so entertaining, beautiful. You learn new things. You become a better person. And, oh, it's just such fun. What can I say? Dr. Nokatula Mazibuko Nsamang, thank you so much for joining us. Loreto Truck, uh, Managing Editor of the Puka Children's Literature Foundation, thanks for joining Dr. Mazibuko Nsamang. We want to congratulate you, Dr. Mazibuko, on your award that you've just received. We also want to just congratulate you on the work that you and so many others are doing. So thank you so much for making the time to chat to us today. Michelle Constant, you are fabulous. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you, Tosh and Klokwana. Thank you. Have a wonderful festive season. You too, Dr. Nokatula Mazibuka Musumang, our guest for today. And that's it. We're out of time, which means it's no longer good morning. It's now, once again, goodbye.